0: Yo, This is your man, Brother G2 National Director of the Journey for Justice Alliance I'm your host for the On the Ground Podcast You can reach us on Twitter at J4J underscore USA You can also reach us on our Facebook page at the Journey for Justice Alliance. You can also reach us at our new special website www.chaserprivatizer I'm only kind of kid Obari Ghani, hotel Peace What's happening? Jumbo, what up, though? This is your man, once again, Brother G2, your host of the On the Ground podcast, the podcast where we lift up the artistic science and community organizing, that brave space where we expose white supremacy for what it is, and we also celebrate those that are part of the resistance. See, what we're building is not about a messianic leader that can inspire the masses of Black people. It's about finding that warrior inside of each of us and providing that space where people can develop to their full potential and fighting for a better life for their communities. So I want to welcome you all to the podcast. And the theme of our show today, Ain't No Half stepping. All right. The first time we heard this song, it was dropped by a group called Heatwave in the late 70s. And for those of y'all that know anything about skating, or Chicago, that was one of the songs we used to step to. If you can see me right now, you you see that I'm stepping as I'm talking to you all. But then, in 1988, one of the five greatest MCs that ever lived, to me, demonstrated the greatest confidence of any MC I've ever seen on the mic. His metaphors, his wordplay, his delivery. Big Daddy Kane, drop ain't no half-stepping. Because we are lifting up the fight that is happening in Camden, New Jersey. In South Jersey, there was times when Camden was called the murder capital of the United States. I remember that very clearly. It is an impoverished city, but it's also a city with very proud, strong people that are doing incredible work. And and our guests today are some of those people. I know they feed thousands of people every year with their harvest festival. They organize African drum and dance presentations for people in their communities, providing an outlet for young people to, you know, explore their culture, and understand the meaning behind the music that our ancestors used to bless the world with. And also, these sisters are black belts, fourth and fifth degree black belts in African fighting arts. So don't start none, won't be none. They work with an organization called the Unity Community Center, and that's where they deliver their programs in the community. But they have an organizing arm, which is the Camden Parents Union and the Camden Students Union. And that arm has been at the forefront of building a statewide coalition called the Camden We Choose Coalition. We choose equity, not the scam called school choice. And these sisters that we're going to talk to today uh, have built a powerful coalition that is fighting back against the privatization of education in Camden, New Jersey. So the sisters that we're going to talk to today, uh, Sister Roncha Dickinson from the Camden Parents Union, Bahija Sabri from the Camden Parents Union. And Ms. Janice Dean, who is a paraprofessional at Veterans Memorial Elementary School. That is one of the schools that's slated for closure. Now, before we get into the deep waters with our sisters, we want to do our member spotlight. And I'm proud today to lift up one of our youth organizations, Baltimore Algebra Project. No education, no life. That's their battle cry. Uh, The Baltimore Algebra Project is an amazing youth-led organization. I believe that there's no one in the organization that's over the age of 24. They are truly a youth-led body that focus on both education and organizing. They provide tutoring, math tutoring, to young people at different sites across the city of Baltimore, and then they do organizing work where they've been able to pressure and win some important victories in Baltimore. One of the things they were able to do was to expose the robbery of the public trust in Baltimore where the state of Maryland owes Baltimore public schools over $4 billion. That was uncovered by the Baltimore Algebra Project. They push for uh, restorative justice practices and they believe in community schools. They've been in the forefront of the fight against school closings in Baltimore. And one of their biggest achievements has been helping to lead the development of the National Student Bill of Rights where they're saying that every young person in the United States has to have certain inalienable rights, right to a quality education, right to being treated with dignity and respect instead of being policed when they're in schools. Baltimore Algebra Project is an amazing organization. And if you don't know anything about the Algebra Project, it was started by Bob Moses. Bob Moses is our elder, who was a member of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, was a student of Ella Baker, and created the Algebra Project in the early 90s as a a way to teach math from an urban perspective, to teach math in a way that related to the lives of young people. So I remember in Chicago, when the Algebra Project was born, they used to take young people on the L train and be able to use the directions in the city, how fast the train has to get from one location to another, to teach math skills. So they use math skills to address a basic need. So they do that tutoring. But then there's always a component that deals with advocacy, community organizing. And then the Baltimore Algebra Project, to me, is one of the more powerful expressions of that belief. I want to send a shout out to my brother, Jamal, to my sister, Maria, from BAP. And salute you all in your work. No education, no work. No education, no life. We're going to fight for our work. We're going to fight for our rights. Salute to the Baltimore Algebra Project. And that's our member spotlight. So as you all know, on the On The Ground podcast, we always lift up the voices of people who are using the artistic science and community organizing to make change. And unfortunately, we fight for things that should be given to us as taxpayers. It should be the return on our investment. But we know that uh, America has a long and inglorious history of ignoring the needs of black and brown families, and often being hostile to our very development. So the things that most Americans accept as just a part of their life, like decently funded schools, decent housing, a grocery store in your neighborhood, a hospital in your community, are things that we have to fight, claw and scratch for because of that unresolved hatred for black people that infects every quality of life institution that we know. So the theme of our show today is Ain't No Half stepping. You can either choose uh, Heat Wave, or I'm choosing today, uh, like I told you all earlier, in our history, one of the five greatest MCs that ever lived, Big Daddy Kane. Ain't no half stepping, Camden, and the hashtag March for Equity. Because unfortunately, the president of the Camden Education Association, Dr. Keith Benson, along with parents and young people had to march 40 miles from Camden, New Jersey to Trenton, New Jersey, in order to call attention to an effort to close six schools in Camden, New Jersey, a city that is already reeling from decades of disinvestment and sabotage by the state of New Jersey. So we have with us today three warrior women, uh, sisters on the front line of the fight, who are gonna tell you the story of sabotaging Camden, but most importantly, the resistance, right? So we have first Miss Janice Dixon. Miss Janice Dixon is a paraprofessional at Veterans Memorial School, which is one of the schools that is slated for closure. We also have Bahija Sabri, who is a parent of uh, Camden Public School students a graduate of Camden Public Schools, and also co-founder of the dynamic group Camden Parents Union. And last but definitely not least, we have Mrs. Roncha Dickinson, who is also the co-founder of the Camden Parents Union, a parent of Camden Public School students and graduates, and also plays a double role as the national director for the Journey for Justice Alliance. I want to welcome you sisters to the show. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having
0: us. All right. Thank you. Good morning. So why don't we start very quickly with just a quick introduction? I want you all to just say um who you are and what brings you to this work. All right. So we're going to start with you, Rancha.
1: Hi,
2: everybody. My name is Rancha Dickerson, as Brother G2 mentioned. I am I'm a parent of um Cameron City Public School Students and graduate, co-founder of Canada Parent Union and also National organizer for Journey for Justice Alliance. What brings you to this work is just the fight for justice. It gets to a point where you get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And as a parent, I feel like this is one way that we can make a difference by learning how to really get strategic art of organizing in our local communities.
0: Ms. Dean, can you introduce yourself, please, and what brings you to this work?
2: Uh, good morning. Yes, my name is uh, Janice Dean. I work at uh, the Kansas City Board of Education. School system. And I am joining the fight with my sisters and fellow educators in the city just to bring awareness to the closure of the traditional public schools in our city and how our children are not being educated fairly.
0: And last but not least, Sister Bahija Sabri, could you please introduce yourself and what brings you to the fight?
1: Hi, good morning. Um, My name is Bahija Sabri. I'm a Camden resident. I'm co-founder of Camden Parent Union, also a member of Journey for Justice Alliance. I'm a mother of six. My husband and I uh, raised our family in Camden. What brings me to this work is I'm tired of seeing the injustice done to our people. Our children are always the ones that have to suffer. I'm tired of us having to accept unequal treatment, unfair treatment, and we always have to be the ones that are on the bottom, always trying to fight for our way to the top. So mm. i join this fight with my community, you know, with others that are tired of seeing the injustice done to our children. They deserve equal education, just like everybody else.
0: So I want to thank all three of you all for joining. And one of the reasons that we do this podcast is that one of the things that oppressors always snatch from our community is hope. And, you know, too many of us that organize, we hear our own people say things like, that ain't going to make a difference. Or, and people ain't going to let us do nothing." No, they're going to do what they're going to do. Or often even worse, Black people ain't going to do nothing. But there are regular Black folk who are not activists, who are actually building power in their communities. And we want to lift those fights up. Just so you all know, wherever you are, that you're not alone. You know, there are brothers and sisters that will gladly link arms with you. Uh, which many of us have done. I mean, we're all from different cities, but one of the powerful things about Journey for Justice Alliance Shameless Club is that it didn't take us long to build unity because the one thing that we all had in common was we knew what it was like to be disregarded. We knew what it was like for people who either were not from our communities or were from our communities and doing the bidding of white supremacy to sabotage our lives and then somehow blame us for it. And then go home and kiss their children as if they're normal. We all know what that feels like. And so that was one of the reasons why I think it was not a Herculean task to build the unity that resulted in the Journey for Justice Alliance and uh, why we are so uh, committed to this podcast so that uh, we can spread the gospel of the fight. So again, sisters, thank you all kindly for joining us. And either of you can share this Give us a sense of Camden, New Jersey.
1: Yeah. So this is Rasha. I'll take a
2: second. That sisters, if y'all don't mind. Little background on Camden. Camden is a city that has seventy seven thousand people in population. Maybe 4950 black and, and Latinx. Um, our average income is twenty six thousand dollars per household. We are forty two percent in poverty rate in Camden. We rank in the top five for poverty and crime nationally. Per pupil spending in New Jersey. $16,000, but for Camden, per pupil spending has now increased to about, I believe, $34,000 per pupil in Camden. We had originally 26 traditional public schools. Since the state takeover, the appointed school board, the Arise advisory school board members, and the appointed superintendent, we now have 17 traditional public schools and nine takeover renaissance charter schools. Recently, the appointed superintendent announced that the Camden City School Districts are in a budget deficit of $27 million and projects to close six traditional public schools and fire 300 teachers and staff. And the question that we're asking, what's led to this point where we are right now is, we've been under state takeover for over six years. How are we in a budget deficit and why do our traditional public schools have to close and why are we playing to fire more teachers?
0: Where is the money? If the state has been in control of the district, how mm-hmm. do you pop up and say you have a $27 million deficit when you were supposed to take the district over because allegedly the local district wasn't doing its job? Where is the accountability mm-hmm. to the public? I feel that. Roncha, you mm-hmm. said something, and want, I want to make sure that this is what you meant to say. You said that mm-hmm. the average per pupil spending in New Jersey is $15,000 per student. Then you said mm-hmm. in Camden it's $34,000. Did you mean $3,400? No. According to the, the
2: information we get per student, and that, that's dealing with, I think, it's with IEP students and also, um, I, I don't want to say it wrong, but general education students, it, we range from 29000 to $34,000 per student. We have the biggest budget in New Jersey, Camden
0: has, per student. That means that children in Camden should be getting a world-class education. So An the question education. becomes, mm-hmm. does that money reach the students?
2: That's a great question. We know that we get the most per pupil spending money. We know that per pupil in Camden, we get a lot of money. But when it comes down to the breakdown of where that money goes, we don't see the residual of that money, Brother G2. We don't see Mm -hmm. it in Camden. Our children struggle with books, we struggle with um, inequitable buildings, we struggle with improper resources. We struggle with many things in in every school, and it seems like because we're getting so much money in Camden, we should be able to have that world class education. We don't see that in our city. We don't see it at all.
0: I just want our listeners to hear this, because you see, I was flipped upside down. I'm like thirty four thousand what? So if if I understand it correctly, but I feel you, because often what happens is that public funds are used as a kitty or a treasure chest. For privatizers and for corrupt elected officials and the corporations that drive their interests, you know, there was a time when in Illinois the lottery was supposed to go for education, but they just—by they, I mean the Democratic establishment—just looted those resources, and so those monies never went to public schools. So I get what you're saying, and Mm -hmm. you have—you have a, a, a definitely, I believe, a real issue with monies that are supposed to go to our children being stolen by these mm-hmm. interests and then being protected by the political establishment. So, but why do you all describe the conditions? I heard you say this Bahija. Uh, uh, I was in Trenton with you all the other day. And I heard you say this during your presentation, which was powerful by the way, you know, you called the conditions in Camden manufactured misery. Why do you use that phrase? And then if that's the case, Who are the puppet masters? Who are the people that are manufacturing this misery?
1: Camden is a great place to occupy. Camden is the third largest port on the East Coast. So there's a lot of money that comes through Camden City. Now, when I say the manufactured misery is because the easiest way to take over a land, you start through the education system you start to use those you know, closed schools, you take away grocery stores. We have a food desert in Camden. You know We don't have our own grocery store, which is obscene for us to mm. not have a grocery store in our own city. You have corporate interests in the city where they want to take over a lot of the property. You have political bosses like a George Norcross, who is an insurance company owner who holds contracts with all the major corporations in the city. So it gives him leverage over bullying, basically, people into doing what serves his best interest in controlling Kansas City. He has politicians in his pocket. He runs over the governing body in the city of Kansas, where you have companies that come in and are paying no taxes to the city. Therefore, none of the money trickles down to the residents in the city, but they come and they make money off of the people there. They are making millions and billions of dollars in nine square miles of city, but none of that money reflects into any of the infrastructure inside of the city, in any of the residents inside of the city. Uh, Camden residents are not even being hired in these businesses that are coming in. Businesses like Subaru or the 76ers Campbell Soup or Holtec, who we had an issue with some time ago where he slated that our residents weren't even job ready to even be in positions there. But you have a 25-year tax abatement coming into our city. So you can make all the money that you want and not have to pay any taxes. And this is what's happening in Camden. So as a result of that, the trickle-down effect is that the residents are affected by it. Like I said, there's no grocery stores there, because we started out with 26 schools in our district public schools. We are down to 16, and with the slated closure, we'll be down to less than 10. And the ground result of that is the land that it sits on. Norcross has three charter schools in Camden, and Mm. they were traditional public schools that were closed because of, quote-unquote, you know, inhabitable conditions in the school. But within a year, they were rebuilt. Go to those charter schools and now those charter schools are in Camden and taking public funds away from the traditional public schools and servicing students there. Mm. So that term mm-hmm. manufactured misery is something that was put in place to do exactly what it's doing now to take over the public schools, turn us basically into a charter school district and to mm-hmm. suck as much money out of the city as possible. Mm-hmm. And Camden, the uh, public education Budget and that well is just
0: a new pot of money. So, I I hope that our listeners are taking in really this lesson on community development that my sister just taught. You know, we've said this before, but I want to repeat it that, you know, the foundations of any nation are the institutions that lay the groundwork for the people's development. The institutions that operate in your community ultimately teach you how to be treated, they ultimately uh, help shape your quality of life. The United Nations said that the five basic institutions are a quality education, uh, health care, food production and delivery systems, housing and clothing. There are other institutions, but according to the U.N., let's just use that definition of the five basic. When you look at black communities across the country, and Camden is a, unfortunately an example of this. You destroy the education institutions. They started with 26 schools. Now they're down to 16. They're trying to take them down to 10. That means that families, instead of often going to different neighborhoods, will be forced to relocate. Because also what disappears is affordable housing. So when the housing for a particular demographic disappears, people do things like move in with their cousin in another neighborhood or in a neighboring city or find another city that's more affordable to move to. And then you have the loss of, of food production and delivery systems, grocery stores. So when those grocery stores disappear, that means that the basic things you need to have a community don't exist. Please just understand that that is all school closings is about. We know that by the year 2030, experts predict that white people in the United States will be a minority. So what we're seeing is the shifting of power in urban spaces and that is a very real piece and that should not be okay. The sabotage of people's lives, sabotaging the education of a second grader on purpose should be despicable to anybody that has a conscience and we should rise up against that. So sister I want to thank you for laying that out for us. That is definitely manufactured misery and Bahija can can our on-the-ground family, can we take that term and can we spread it around the country? Can we can we bite your lyrics on that? Absolutely. All right, cool, cool. <laughs> all right, all right. So look, you all just completed a powerful action. You just talked about the proposed closure of six schools. We understand it. And, and I met this guy, the commissioner, and, you know, what a lot of these guys don't realize is that they use language that they were using in Chicago in 2003. Ain't nothing new about what they're saying. Right sides in the district. We we don't have enough seats for, you know, we have too many seats and not enough children. This is all out of the privatizer's playbook. It was really disappointing to hear Dr. Rapala talk like that because this is the same language that Michael Scott and Arnie Duncan used in 2004. It's no different. They just repackaged the same gentrification or purge of black people uh, doctrine that they want to use to try to smooth it over to the public. And then they just recycle it and they move it from city to city to city. So that brother himself does not realize that he is just a retread, you know, ain't nothing new, ain't nothing original about what he was saying. So explain to our people, one, uh, Miss Dean, if you can break down what they're proposing for Veteran Memorial and why that's unjust, and then uh, why Sisters, did you all do the 40-mile march for equity?
2: It was said that the school had $14 million, Veteran Memorials. That's one of the schools that is closing. uh, Mm. And we house 500 students there. So they were saying that there were $14 million worth of repairs that were needed to keep the uh, building open. Uh, We had a meeting with the superintendent, and that was what she told to us, and there was another separate meeting uh, with the parents as well, and she also met with the students. She explained the same thing to them about $14 million of repairs. Now, the $14 million was a number that we kind of felt was just pulled out of the sky because Mm -hmm. there was no paperwork, I guess, that showed just that amount of Funding needed mm. for the building mm. to be repaired. $14 million is a lot of money. And they asked her in the event that they got the $14 million, would the school still stay open? And she said no. So the day, I think it was Wednesday, I joined Dr. Keith Benson in his mm. last 10 miles. Uh, we walked from Bordentown to uh, Trenton, New Jersey. Mm. It was about three and a half hour walk. Four of us joined him, so we were the, <laughs> the furious five. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we, we, it was quite an experience. Some of my students that I work with, they were there to speak on behalf of not closing the public schools. And mm-hmm. the, the students that I work with actually are classified as BD or what we call behavior mm-hmm. disorder students. And mm-hmm. they spoke so well just speaking how they felt about the school and the school being a family and not wanting it to close and how mm-hmm. you know how closely knit we are in the uh community and and they were happy to see me and that kind of made me feel good i mean not kind of i felt good you know and they were like yes, excited you know mm-hmm. they're like oh Ms. Dean walked too you know so mm-hmm. i just wanted mm-hmm. to join you know join the cause and just just fight for what is right you know our students Absolutely. deserve The same education that those in Cherry Hill are getting, Somerdale, all of the other neighborhood districts, our children deserve the same money because where's all of this money going? You know, I remember she made a statement about 95% of our funding is going to uh, charter schools, you know? So it's like, it's not fair, you know? So it was an honor and a pleasure to join Dr. Keith Benson in his Mm. march and bringing awareness to the non-funding in the city and the closing of the schools. And I mean, there's going to be tons of layoffs, people losing jobs, and just good educators. You know, we we got good good educators in the public school system that are Mm. dedicated and loyal to helping the students. And um, I feel like I'm one of them. So I wanted to join the fight. And yes, man. Walk it on in, and it, well, it was awesome. I had my camera, so it was it was <laughs>
0: great. <laughs> well, sister, sister, I salute you. On the ground podcast family, salute you. Hey, brother D
2: two, it's Rosh. I just wanted to add just for a little bit of texture of how we kind of developed the um, hashtag #WeChooseMiles for Equity that started in New Jersey. So the Camden We Choose is a multiracial coalition that was developed off of the, the National We Choose campaign. And the coalition consists of the Camden's Parent Union, Communication Workers of America, the CWA, also some uh, clergy members, some other members from the community. It's a great group of people working together to do silo Camden. It was birthed out of the We Choose campaign. So we have been developing actions and plans and strategies for over a, a year or two now, based on our need for equity in Camden specifically. So this action was birthed out of us having multiple town halls for the past six months on um, issues that were around education and gentrification, also on racism that was happening in Camden. Our goal was to control the narrative. So the Miles for Equity, hashtag WeChooseMilesForEquity, came because we had a strategy planning call with Dr. Benson, members of the Camden We Choose. And Dr. Benson um had mentioned that he wanted to do a walk from Camden to Trenton. And he was he was just gonna walk alone. We were like, you know, it really wouldn't benefit, even though it's a beautiful gesture, your thought has to be turned into an action. So what we did as from our training, and that's a shameless plug to J for J, is that we were trained, you know, when you organize you gotta be strategic and you're organized. So we made a, a three action approach. The first thing we did was We organized it to be a plan from his walk. What was the walk going to be? So we did from Camden to Beverly. Beverly to Bordentown, New Jersey, Bordentown to Trenton. That was over three days. Then we were there with him every day with Dr. Benson, capturing the moments, like making it big, putting it on Facebook, putting the hashtag around it, creating a flyer to go along with it so folks could know that this was happening. And it wasn't Dr. Benson alone, though he was clocking in most of the miles. It was all of us walking the first five miles or three miles, wherever we could walk with him to get him on his way, to encourage him on his walk, right? Because it was his his personal journey that he wanted to get to Trenton in three days. Then after that, we tap into our candle. we choose coalition and asked members of the coalition to be a part of spreading news Being able to get people to see that, hey, we need you all to go into your network, go into your base, go into your membership and tell people to post this information and make sure that folks are definitely tagging people in and know this walk is happening. And then it's going to be a big culminating event on the 17th of April, which was that Wednesday. We're all going to meet in Trenton, New Jersey at the State Department of Education building and have a press conference and rally to talk about our demands and why we're doing this. What was not mentioned was the unsung heroes that had been doing the protest prior to Dr. Vincent walking. The students, when they found out that their school was going to be closed, Veterans Memorial students had been walking out of school every day for almost a week and a half to protest that they didn't want their school closed. So those children were the true heroes. So when we got to the last day of March, the students walked with us as a part of their protest. To one in their school to be kept open as a public school, and the other piece was it was a statewide fight. We had cities that joined in. We had Atlantic City, New Jersey, Patterson, New Jersey, North New Jersey, Jersey City. Um, we had so many cities that joined in Patterson, and they were actually there at Trenton on that day, standing with us in solidarity. Some of the cities that I name are not going through a budget issue, but a lot of them are. So this became a statewide budget crisis that we wanted to bring into the front of the media. So our media push was not for us just to highlight one man's walk, but to highlight all of us walking for Miles for Equity. We had people posting pictures. People put their signs up, we choose Miles for Equity, all across the New Jersey area and also nationally. We didn't mention that the Alliance to Reclaim Our School did a a letter in support of our fight for this March for Equity. And we wanted to thank AROs for their commitment to support us. To our walk to equity, and that letter was signed by Alliance to Reclaim Our School, the Center for Popular Democracy, American Federation for Teachers, the um, NJEA, the Alliance for Education Justice, the NEA and Journey for Justice, of course, and the SHOP Foundation for Public Education. So this became local, then statewide, then national, and that's why we, we called it We Choose Miles Equity because we wanted to nationalize the local fight, and we just wanted to make sure that, that was known, that it was a collective measure of everyone coming together and supporting Dr. Benson, also walking with Dr. Benson, also highlighting those students, also getting the press there to maintain and control the narrative, and that was really organized and strategized under the Canvas Parent Union and the can do we choose coalition. So I just wanted to share that piece as a texture of how this was developed and hope hope that it inspires other organizations that are in the same process of going through some type of budget crisis or any type of fight going on in your local community. The coalition is what will bring the power to your fight, because when you de-silo, in your city and lets people know that you are a unified front and you're the strength and unity. So we had multiple people doing many things to help this world to be what it is. And this fight's not over. We're still organizing for our next level of escalation. So this is just one step towards our fight for escalation. And if we didn't mention, the next day after the last day of the walk, we had a, a major Community Town Hall, again, with the School Development Authority attacking why the buildings in Camden, especially the ones that are slide to be closed, are not in conditions that are conducive for our students. We want to turn over every stone and follow these breadcrumbs to get to our victory. So I just want to share that with you, Brother G2 and Sisters, Bahija and Janice, as part of a context of our story.
0: You know, I want to uh, commend yeah. all of you yes. on a very powerful action that did something very, I want to say this. So when we do community organizing work, we don't do community organizing work to get on TV. Organizers are not trying to be superstars, but organizers can use the media if we do our messaging in an effective way to shine light on the issue. And it's almost like turning on the lights. And if you got roaches in the house, excuse me, to the people who can't relate to this, if you have roaches in the house, you turn on the lights, what do the roaches do? They scatter because they thrive in the dark. And if you're getting the most money per pupil in the state of New Jersey, but then you have the explosion or the the growth of these charter schools and these renaissance schools that people are not asking for, people are asking for their public schools to be improved. Charter schools are not public schools because they are not accountable to the public. They might loot public resources, but the charter Mm -hmm. school industry, they operate as private institutions. They have their own set of discipline policies. They can let the children in they want. They can kick out the ones they don't. So let's don't get confused. And then, like we said in in Trenton, you know, no matter what they say, no matter how many charter schools they pop up where all the students are going to college and all this other stuff, what they cannot ignore is that in the charter school industry, they are batting a little less than 20 percent, like one out of five of charters outperform traditional public schools. Right on. Now you tell me if Norcross would accept that for his children. We know he would not. not. Then the the question becomes, why is that okay for black and brown children? See, what you all are lifting up is that the issue in Camden and in black communities around the country, black and brown communities around the country, excuse me, is inequity. That the mandate of Brown v. Board has never been realized. So I want Mm -hmm. folks to think about that. The mandate that was given in 1954 has been met with resistance at every turn. And that resistance might look more sophisticated today, but it is just as militant as it was when white families pulled their children out of the school systems in different cities around the country and they called that school choice. That was the Mm -hmm. first iteration of school choice in the U.S. So today what they do is they just Create these schools that nobody else wants. And then they get parents to go into those schools. Your schools become under underutilized. And then they have the rationale to close those schools. Or they have the rationale to foster the lack of achievement. Because now the schools don't have the resources to give the children what they need. It's sabotage. It's really mm-hmm. important the work that you all are doing. It's really important. So I want to just really encourage you all to stay vigilant. Mm-hmm. To uh, do your base building work. You know, because you all have a strong base of people in Camden. Do that work. Don't let what they're doing discourage you because the fact that you all are bringing attention to this issue and the fact that your commissioner had to come outside and and talk to the cameras means Mm -hmm. that they're feeling the pressure. So now, how do we do as the young people say, how do we turn up? That's the question. How do we turn up? So, you know, because you got them. I'm not going to say you got them on the ropes. But I will say that you all are set for all your boxing fans. You standing in the middle of the ring, they threw a left jab and they left that arm down low and you clocked them with a right hand over the top. So now they staggering <laughs> They staggering a little bit. And that's so great. I'm saying that to y'all because what we do is organizing. This ain't about just jumping out in the middle of the street yelling and screaming. Just like a doctor practices a science that's artistic, so do organizers, just like Patty LaBelle practices the artistic science of being a songbird. Everybody can't do what Patty LaBelle does. And everybody can't do what you do. Sometimes that organizing work, the water is too deep, or you you, you stick, you thought you're gonna stick your feet in and it's two feet, and all of a sudden the water's up to your chest. Organizing sounds easy to you, gotta do it. But it's not difficult in regards to learning it. What's difficult is the will. That's what it is. The will to keep the fight moving. So again, I want to salute you, sisters, And um, just think about this, family. You have people like George Norcross and interests like his that are looting the public funds, creating these schools where these people have insane salaries, these Renaissance schools and these charter schools. Nobody's asking for these schools. These schools are no better than the, the traditional public schools in Canada. The data bears that out. But now they're claiming budget crisis. They created the crisis. You know, who cares if a school is underutilized? Maybe that means if we're practicing equity, now what you could do is you can have smaller class sizes. Now what you could do is you could put a food pantry in the school. You can pay back the communities that you have robbed for decades, damn, centuries. So to our listeners, let's keep our eyes on the prize. Let's don't believe the blase skippy that they send our way. And let's salute our sisters from Camden as they're doing their work. But the best way we can salute them is by joining them in this struggle. Bahija, why don't you lay it down? What do we want the people to do?
2: What we're asking folks to do is on the 23rd of April, call our governor, Phil Murphy. And we are asking for a couple of things. Number one is to put a freeze or moratorium on any more school closures in the city of Camden. The second thing is we're asking for an investigation on its budget issue or deficit. We're asking mm-hmm. for those two main things. One is, is to put a freeze or more, on any more school closures in Camden City. And mm-hmm. so we're asking for the, the governor to do a deep dive investigation on this budget issue or crisis that has been manufactured in Camden
0: City Public Schools. And what is the governor's so, number?
2: Please call 609-292-6000. That's 609-292-6000, Governor Phil Murphy of New Jersey.
0: So on-the-ground podcast family, you have your marching orders. I want you to think about this again. The president of the teachers' union, who should have an open door to the education commissioner's office, has not been able to meet the commissioner for two years. The president of the Camden Education Association, Dr. Keith Benson, since the commissioner would not meet with Dr. Benson, Dr. Benson brought the meeting to the commissioner. The man, along with the parents and young people, marched 40 miles from Camden, New Jersey, to Trenton, New Jersey. He came outside before Dr. Benson arrived, feeling pressure. He talked to the media. He talked to Roncha. He spoke with me. And then when Dr. Benton got there, he was ghost. He was, in the immortal words of Flavor Flav, he was Audi 5000. He was nowhere to be seen. He ran. And that is inexcusable. So what we're saying is, okay, since the man whose job it is to manage education in New Jersey won't meet with the head of the teachers union and historic community organizations in Camden, New Jersey. Then what we'll do is we'll go over his head. We're going to talk to the governor who actually ran on a progressive education platform, Governor Phil Murphy. So we're asking you all first thing, 9 a.m. your time, Tuesday morning, call Governor Phil Murphy at 609 292 6000. With that, I want to thank you sisters for joining us. I want to thank you all for your work, for your struggle. I love you. I appreciate you and you know we stand with you. So thank you for joining us on the on the ground podcast. It was i out of
1: the show.
2: thank you.
0: Absolutely. Love you too, brother G2. Thank you, sister. Somebody somebody give me some love back. See, you see how Bahija and Racha do me? You see how they do me? Thank you, you, Miss Janice Dean. Thank you so much. My God. My God. All right, right, y'all. Y'all take it easy. Y'all take it easy. Okay, have a good one. All right. On the ground family, as you have heard, our folks at Camden are standing strong, and they need your support. So please, First thing Tuesday morning, make sure you call Governor Phil Murphy at 609-292-6000. Let him know that the Commissioner of Education is running and he's not addressing the issue. And then remember that the two things that folks are asking for is an investigation into under state control what happened to the $27 million that has been denied people of Camden where they're claiming a budget crisis. And two, we want an immediate moratorium on school closings in Camden, New Jersey. We are fighting for equity, not the scam called school choice. As I told you, the theme of today's show is Ain't No Half Stepping. To march 40 miles from Camden, New Jersey, to Trenton, New Jersey, to demand justice, our brother, Dr. Keith Benton, Roncha Dickinson, Bahija Sabri, Sister Janice Dean, and many of the parents and young people that joined them on their march, they were not half-stepping. The Commissioner of Education is half-stepping in New Jersey. Shame on you, brother. I met you. I tried to give you the benefit of the doubt, but I'm saying publicly shame on you, man. You should be ashamed of yourself because you are sitting there and you are retreading old failed education policy. You have a doctor before your name. So that means that you should know more about education than to sit up and regurgitate the same failed corporate education interventions that have been flopping all over the country. So, Ain't no half-stepping. If you're gonna deal with us, you better step lively or step out the way. So that's why we are promoting our song The Close Us Out of one of the five greatest MCs that ever lived. I don't care what you say, Big Daddy Kane ain't no half-stepping. I'll see y'all next week to Nana, until we meet again on the On the Ground podcast.
3: Rapper, they want to get some, but I'm the cane, so yo, you know the outcome. I'm oh not the victory, they can't get with me. So pick a BC day, cause you're history. I'm the authentic poet to get lyrical. For you to beat me, it's gonna take a miracle. And step into me, yo, that's the wrong move. So what you want, Harv? Dope dog Don't a dog Competition, I just devour. Like a pit bull against a chihuahua. Cause when it comes to being dope, hot damn, I got it good. Now let me tell you who I am. The BIG. A-double-D-Y-K-A-N-E Dramatic, Asiatic, not like many I'm different, so don't compare me to another Cause they can't hang, word to the mother At least not with the principal in this pedigree So when I roll on your rappers, you better be ready To die because you're petty you're just a butter knife. I'm a machete. This made by Ginsu. Wait until when you try to front, so I can chop into your body. Just because you try to be basing Friday the 13th, I'ma play Jason. No type of joke, that yeah, game, puzzle, a riddle. The name is Big Daddy. Yes, big, not little. So define it. Here's your walking papers. Sign it and take a walk as the canes start to talk, cuz, My field in court, then again on second thought The hypothesis coming out sounding so similar It's quite confusing for you to remember the originator And boy do I hate a perpetrator But I'm much greater, the best Yes, I guess suggest the best your best Don't mess or test your highness Unless you just address with best finesse And bless the paragraphs I manifest, manifest, manifest. Rap crime minister Some say sinister Non-stop in the groove until witness The climax on IMAX Relax and chill Have a break from a take of me act Ill. Brain cells are lit, ideas start to hit. Next, to the formation of words that fit. At the table, I sit, making it legit. And when my pen hits the paper, paw, shit. I stop to stand strong over MCs and devour with the power of Hercules or Samson. But I go further to the left, cause you can scout my.